I tell you what, between that song and Miss Judy's song that she sang, um, it's done already been good. We might ought to just quit and let me say amen, but that's not going to happen, is it? If you got your Bible, I hope you're already turning with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We all know that is the resurrection chapter. But there's a verse, two verses in there that I want us to look at that God got my attention with this week that I think has a lot to teach us. You know, um, I choose Jesus to follow Jesus. If there's anybody who ever chose Jesus and followed him with all their heart in the New Testament, it's the Apostle Paul. If there's anybody that's ever been used of God as a sold out living sacrifice to the grace of God to proclaim the gospel, to share the good news of the Savior, it was Paul. He did more than any other person you can find in the New Testament next to Christ. He wrote the majority of it. He was the one who went on the first, second, and third missionary journeys documented in the book of Acts by Luke. He planted churches. He, the churches he wrote the letters to that we have the letters documented in the Bible was all because of his devotion and faithful work to the Lord in the gospel. But when Paul himself was penning this, he, he says something that I think we forget. If you've been following Jesus for a long, long time, if you're closer to Jesus than you've ever been, and you're soul winning, and you're in the Word, and you're a prayer warrior, friends, if you know Jesus the way Paul knew Jesus, the way you're supposed to know Jesus, you would realize that it's nothing that you can boast in but the grace of God which has been with you. The grace of God that has saved you, that has kept you, that has never left you, that has taken you out of the world and keeps you from the world and keeps you on the right path, leading you in the right way. It's all grace. It ain't you. And Paul says something here in verses um, 9 and 10, and we'll focus on 10. But look what Paul says. He says, for I am the least of all the apostles. Who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. We all could put ourselves in that. I am the least of all them church members down there. I might have not persecuted God, but I broke his heart. I disappointed him most of my life. Instead of honoring him, I rebelled. I've transgressed his laws. I've broke his heart. And he says... He says, I persecuted the church of God. I remember the church came to our house one day and Diane got mad. Said, they ain't got no business knocking on our door. But friends, listen, Paul said, with all of this, he said, I'm not the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. You could say, man, I've been an addict. I've been an adulterer. I've been... Consumed with the worldliness and materialism and money and everything but God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am today. Look what he says. His grace toward me was not in vain. It wasn't futile. It accomplished its purpose. He says, I labored more abundantly than all the rest of the apostles even. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Today, you may be the most faithful 
serving in this church. You may be the longest tenure. You may be perfect attendance. But if you've got any spiritual insight, any understanding, knowledge of the things of God, you know deep down it's not you. It's the grace of God that's been with you. You know, we look at this and we, 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 we get an idea of Paul. Grace is so misunderstood. Grace is not just something that gives you salvation in spite of your sinfulness. And instead of condemns you, it blesses you. The Bible says that, according to John, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, with God, and the Word was God. And he tells us in this verse... And the word, Jesus, became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, his one and only Son. And he was full of grace and truth. Now, I want you to think about it. Grace saved you, and praise God for it. Amen? But if grace saved you, grace ain't left you alone. Grace is active in you, or you ain't been saved. You see, you say, well, Jesus does it. It's all Jesus. But if there was one word that could adequately describe and say this is how Jesus does it this is what Jesus does when you follow him when you surrender him when he comes into your life it would be grace he gives you what you don't deserve somebody has said that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense but it's more than even that look at this next verse this one made me scratch my head this week and of his fullness the fullness of Jesus We all have received. What did we receive? Grace for grace. He didn't just say grace. Grace for grace. I don't know about y'all, but I'm curious or I'm nosy or I'm like, what's he mean? I just, for the first time, I really thought about it. Grace for grace. And then he says in that next verse, for the law was given through Moses. Thank God for the law. The law is like a mirror. It shows us. It shows us the righteousness of God. It shows us what's wrong. It, leads, it shows us one person. D.L. Moody said, the law comes along and shows you how crooked you are. And then Jesus shows up to straighten you out <laughs> with his grace. And friends, listen. But grace and truth came through Jesus. And he says that we have received grace for grace. When you look at this. And you look it up, this is from the the first sentence in the dictionary, the Holman Bible Dictionary. It says, grace is undeserved acceptance and love received from another. Grace is when you're able to receive acceptance and you didn't deserve it because you've not done what you should have done. And he loves you anyway. And friends, that's what we've done. Divine grace toward mankind refers to the undeserved favor of God in providing salvation For those who deserved condemnation through the sacrifice of his son. That's what divine grace is. It's our undeserved favor. We deserve hell. He gives us heaven. We deserve to be judged. He gives us forgiveness. We were slaves to sin in our flesh and he redeems us and makes us his child. You see, although the biblical words for grace are used in a variety of ways, the most characteristic use is to refer to the undeserved favor of God toward those he has saved. Not only those who are getting saved by grace, but his undeserved favor continues. Have you figured that out? It's ongoing. I love this quote from Tony Evans. It comes from his his study Bible. He says, grace is the inexhaustible supply 
of God's goodness. His goodness, have you figured out, is inexhaustible. And he continuously brings his favor to his people. Doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. Man, that described my life since the day I met him. His grace has been inexhaustible. I have done things that ought to have made me not deserving. Should have made me where I didn't get blessed. But he blesses us anyway. And friends, I don't know about y'all, but I think about this and I look at this and I'm thinking of Paul. Paul says, though I persecuted the church, though I was such an insolent, righteous, self-righteous, prideful, arrogant person. Jesus came to me on the Damascus Road when I was going with letters of authority and permission to arrest and imprison and even murder Christians. And Jesus shows up and he saved me. And he forgave me and he, he took me. And from there, Paul said, I have received grace upon grace. Like Tony Evans says, it's kind of, you ever been to the beach? A lot of y'all has been to the beach lately. I've been watching what y'all doing on Facebook. And you sit at the beach. And one of my favorite things at the beach is to sit right there where them waves are coming in. And I like to go out there early in the morning, late in the evening. I ain't a fan of the middle of the day. And I don't like sand, and, but I, I do have sat. And man, you can sit there and have waves. And man, they just come in. And man, it's just so relaxing and so soothing. And God's just made it. But this is how God's grace is. It's like the waves of the ocean. One wave comes in. And it just comes in with all of its blessing. All of its ability to comfort and soothe and relax. And just remind you of the wonder of God's creation. And as that wave comes in and right as it begins to to go back and recede into the ocean. Before it can even be completely gone, the next one comes and crashes in again to just repeat itself, to show you what God does and how he can create. That's what grace is. It's like wave after wave of the inexhaustible goodness of God coming over our life, even when you're at your worst, even when you ain't being religious, even when you ain't doing what you ought to do, God continues to do what only he can do. Help us to do what we can't do by ourselves. Follow Jesus. Live a life that glorifies him. Apostle teaches us something in his writings that we all need to see about his grace. His grace is so unbelievable. Paul, so pervasive was Paul's sense of God's grace that he refers to it at the beginning and the end of every letter he wrote. And if you don't believe me, we ain't got time today because I got more to preach. But you go check out every letter he wrote. In this letter, the one we're looking at, the third verse of the book, Paul's opened the letter with grace to you and peace from God and our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. That verse is in either one to the first five verses of every letter he ever wrote grace to you and peace from God and our father the Lord Jesus Christ Paul closed every letter with this exact verse the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you because Paul knew the only reason I'm Paul instead of Saul the only reason I'm now an apostle instead of a Pharisee the reason I have a relationship with God that has changed my life instead of a bunch of worthless religion It's the grace of God has made me who I am. 
And I am, I am by the grace of God. And it was not in vain. It wasn't futile. It made an extravagant, extraordinary, amazing difference in my life. I did more than the rest of the apostles. But not I. The grace of God that was with me did this to me. It changed me. It conformed me into Christ-likeness. And it transformed me away from worldliness. And it's made me who I am today. Church will never change you. Devotion, void of grace, and a Christ relationship will not change you. It's grace. Who receives grace? It says that God gives more grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. When you're humble enough to say, Lord, I don't deserve it, but I sure need help here. Lord, I ought to be punished, but Lord, please have mercy. See, mercy is God not giving you what you deserve. Grace is him giving you what you don't deserve. And friends, listen, Paul opened and closed every letter with the grace of the Lord and peace from God. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I won't tell you what. If there's anything that you really are lacking, if you was like, I'm not sure how to pray, just say, Lord, grace me. Grace, I need grace, I need favor, I need help. I want you to look at this. According to Paul, if you think about it, you're going to see it when we look through these four points in his letters. The Christian life is summed up in the grace of God. If you ain't experiencing the grace of God, you're not spiritual. You're not experiencing the abundance of God's goodness and favor because you ain't earning it. If you think, well, I'm so good now, I'm in the Bible, I'm, I'm, I'm a... Um, I study every day. Ah, I pray every day. I'm a soul winner. I'm a this. I'm a that. When you get to about the third, I'm a, you've done left grace. You see, grace is, I'm a train wreck in the process of happening. But grace showed up and puts me on the track, keeps me on the track, and gives me the energy to continue down the line. That's grace. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd have derailed a long time ago. I've derailed myself before, amen? And the amazing thing is he keeps putting me back on the track, amen? Putting steam in my engine. How many of you ever want to quit? How many of you ever gave up and quit? Admit it. You ain't got to act so spiritual in here. We just all good old folks in need of grace. But grace somehow got you back up. You got all dirty. You got all mucked up. You was ashamed of yourself. Couldn't even admit it to Jesus. But Jesus is wiping you off the minute you humbled yourself and said, Lord, I'm dirty. Lord, I'm broken. Lord, I messed up. He said, I know. Come here, let me grace you a little bit, my child. You see, salvation from beginning to end, according to Paul, is all of grace. It's Yes, we have to respond appropriate to what grace makes available. There's The free will of man is involved, but you'll never become what God wants you to be unless God initiates it. Unless God gives you the opportunity. God opens the door. Said, here's the door. There's the blessing. This is what I'm offering you, but you've got to walk through it by faith. Just like you got saved. He's calling somebody in here this morning. I died on the cross for you. It's been paid in full. It's all been done. And today you can be saved if you'll only trust me and come and ask me. But you, he will never force you to be saved out of your will. 
you got to choose what God is offering. You can't get saved without his grace, but his grace will not save you without the permission of your free will. And even though your free will surrendered and submitted, it was still his grace that makes us who we are today in Christ. And I want to look today at four things that grace does in our life, according to the Apostle Paul. And you can go ahead and turn with me, and this is easy to turn to, and this is why you need a Bible. This is one of them you can't just put on the screen. But first of all, God, grace saved us. That's where it all starts. You're not saved by works. We know this verse that we're all so familiar with is Baptist, because it's Baptist, boy, we don't like works because most of us ain't got none. But faith without works is dead. But we want to always say, well, I ain't saved by works. No, but grace will make you work. But I want you to see what he says here. He says, when you look at this, he says, and you, he may, in verse 1, he says, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And then look out at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, when we was dead in sin, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And guys, listen, he didn't just make you alive and give you spiritual life. Then he raised us all up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places. He tells us over there in verse 3, he said, blesses be the Father and the Lord of our Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You see, he, he saved us by his grace because he loved us. And then he raised us all up together in Christ so he could spiritually bless us. Man, I don't know about y'all, but his grace is a ble- ain't it a blessing in your life. Don't it make a difference? And, and he goes on and he says, so that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of his grace forever and ever in the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Look over there. Look back at verse 7. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of our sin according to the riches of his grace. Then the verse we all love, for we are saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. I don't know about y'all, but I tried fixing myself. I tried helping my marriage to get better. I tried quitting drinking. I tried quitting doing all the things that had messed up my life. But guess what? The more I tried, I just make it worse. But one day I just gave up on Marvin and said, Jesus, this is all that's left of me. But if you'll just save me, and I want to tell you something, he saved me. How about you? And he'll save any sinner in here today who's humble enough to admit, I'm a sinner, I'm in, I'm in need of grace. So he saved us. But when he saves you, he don't just leave you that way. He begins to what? Enlighten you. To give you understanding. In fact, he prayed to the Ephesian church that God, by the knowledge of Christ, would give you spiritual understanding and enlightenment. That's what he prayed for, the Ephesian church who was saved. The next thing he does is God's grace teaches us. You see, you ain't figured this out because you're smart. You ain't all of a sudden got spiritual understanding because you got a good Bible. You see, 
Jesus teaches us what he wants you to go. Look at it there with me in Titus. They all close together. Just flip a little Bible. Oh, I know some of you don't have your Bible, but you've got gadgets. And if you're looking at something else besides the Bible, I pray that thing will break. I pray Facebook will defriend you. But look at what he says here. Verse 11 of chapter 2. Paul says, God's grace is what's teaching us. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation. That's the only kind I want. How about you? I don't want grace that makes me rich. I don't want grace that makes me popular. I don't want grace that makes me comfortable. I want grace that saves me. How about you? And he says right there, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Doing what? Teaching us. Man, I don't know about you, but grace didn't save you to leave you in your spiritual ignorance. To leave you thinking like he found you, like a worldly, carnal, unsaved, natural person like everybody else in the world who's lost. He saved you to change you. How does he change you? He changes you by the transformation of your mind, renewing your mind. And so he says, I need you because of what I've done for you to submit your life to me as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that I can prove in you what is my good and my perfect and acceptable will of God. And so grace goes to work. I don't know about y'all. Grace don't leave me alone. How about you? Now, I ain't here. I can be lazy. I can get out the word. I can go watching stuff I shouldn't watch and listening to stuff I shouldn't listen to. But grace is always calling me back to truth because grace and truth came through Jesus. And I don't know about y'all. Jesus is attached to my life by grace. I'm fettered to him like that song said. No, I'm prone to wander. He keeps (laughs) yanking me back. And I'll go all the way to the end of the rope and be leaning like, oh, boy, that looks like better fishing over there. This looks like fun. Jesus goes, come on back. But, friends, I want you to think about this. Look at what he says. What does he teach us? He teaches to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. Why? Because as long as you're living in ungodliness and worldly lust, you can never live soberly and righteously and godly. In this present age. That's a picture of repentance. He's teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldliness. Friends, when I look around at what's going on in the 90% of the churches. And how they're just making truth whatever they want it to be. And they're just walking and spitting right all over the word of God. And saying it's okay. I don't care what the word says. It's alright for us to do it our way. And we can have church however we want. And we can do what we want. And Anything we say is an acceptable lifestyle. God's grace loves us and it's going to forgive us. I say, man, they need to come read this. One of the first pastors that Paul turned over his ministry to, Titus and Timothy, he says, grace that saves us, appeared to us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldliness, us, we should live soberly, righteous, and godly in the present age. If you're not living soberly, seriously for Jesus and godly in the present age and righteously you're not looking for his appearing none too soon you're hoping whatever it happens it don't happen today (laughs) i don't know when he's coming back but thank god he ain't coming back in the morning because i sure ain't living like i should but man when you're denying your ungodliness and world and you're living soberly man you're looking for him can i get an amen 
Man, I hope he comes tonight. I hope he comes before me and Chad get to go eat lunch. But friends, listen to what he says right there. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. That's grace. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. You see, grace saves you, but true grace makes you zealous for good works. You don't do good works because you feel you have to, because you're obligated to. You do good works because you're devoted to him. And it's a pleasure, it's a joy, it's a privilege to do good works because grace has changed you and taught you. And look at what he says right there. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke. Now, how many of you came today saying, I hope the preacher exhorts me? Some of you may have wanted that. But how many of you showed up this morning saying, I sure hope he rebukes us? I sure hope grace rebukes me. How many of you ever thought that it's grace that rebukes us? That teaches us. Look at what he says right there. Speak these things. Exhort. Rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you, teacher. Titus. And so grace teaches us this. But listen. This is the one we have to spend just a little bit of time on. And I know this might go a little over. But you all get used to it for long. Grace will help you through it. But turn with me now back to 2 Corinthians. And we're going to finish in 2 Corinthians. We're almost getting through. The last point goes quick. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, according to Paul, not only does God's grace save us, not only does it teach us and enlighten us, give us understanding, but God's grace enriches us. Do you understand that you have nothing that you can give God that God didn't first give to you? Well, I got money. I gave him my money. He gave you the grace and the strength and the health and the ability to make that money. Well, I serve God. He gave you the body to serve him with. He gave you the heart. He conformed, changed. You see, anything that we can give to God first had to come from him. He's the source of everything. The only thing we can say is that I surrendered my will to his will. But he gave you the ability to serve him. Look at what Paul says here. And pay attention because this is a good spot. He says in verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now he's talking about a, 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 a money order, offering, an offering of giving some money to help people with, that he's coming to collect. And he says, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And look at verse 8 and pay close attention. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always. So he gives you all grace to abound towards you. That you will always have all sufficiency in all things. That you may have an abundance for every good work. Friends, listen. Grace ain't just to give money at the end of the service. He, doesn't, he gives you abundant grace all-sufficient grace he has shown towards you always. We always have a sufficiency to do what God wants us to do. Look at what he goes on and says. And God is able to make all grace abound in you toward all things so that you can have all sufficiency in all things. I don't know about y'all, but I can preach because God gave me the ability to preach. 
You can do what God's called you to do because he enabled you. He gave you a gift. There ain't nothing worse than having somebody in the church doing something he ain't gifted to do and thinking he's anointed. Nothing more does more damage than carnalness and fleshliness and worldliness in the name of Jesus to do something spiritual. But when a person is in the right place, doing the right thing that Jesus has enabled him and enriched him to do, you know, we all ought to be able to give if we've been saved. Everyone should be enriched enough to be able to give. But some people have been enriched with an extra ability. They just love giving. They just give and give, and God gives more and more. You ever tried to outgive God? But friends, listen, we've all been given stuff that we can give to God. Your heart, your time, your, your abilities, your, your, your life. He's given you stuff. He's enriched you with so that you can enrich others. And it's all supplied by grace. Look at what he says in verse 11. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. You see, God enriched them, he said, with money so that you can give. And as God has enriched you in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us. If you give to this offering, man, we're going to praise God. Look at what he says. He says, he goes on and says, Now may he, look at verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply in multitude the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Whatever we enrich God back with, he blesses. And he said, as you do this, look at verse 14. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. He said, because you gave back. You know, when we are doing what God wants and grace is empowering us, and it's obvious that man, that man's been touched by God. It brings glory to God, the grace in us. That's what he's saying. But guys, it's an amazing thing. Not only does God save us, according to Paul, not only is God's grace enriching us, it's teaching us. But you know what keeps you going? Not you. Well, I have stamina. I have, I have, I'm self-willed. I have a strong willpower. No, you don't. <laughs> Because if you're going to serve the Lord, the devil is going to come against you. He's going to find people to discourage you. He's going to try to pull you down. He's going to do everything. Anyone who's doing what Paul's doing, man, I'm doing more than all the rest in the church. You know, when grace is doing it in you, you're not looking around saying, no one's helping me. Ain't nobody wants to do nothing around here. I got to do it all. I got to do everything. Nobody wants to help no more. When grace has got you doing it, man, you're just saying, Lord, look here, I'm doing it for you. But when you're doing it that way, people look at that and they say, man, he ain't complaining. He's happy about it. Man, he's working himself to death for Jesus. I think I'd better go help him. <laughs> he's blessing everybody down there. I believe, I think I need to try to bless somebody. You see, grace causes grace. It multiplies. But when you're doing it for attention or for works or for self-adoration or to feel self-fulfillment you're going to fail you're going to quit every time but when grace is getting you to do it just because you've been blessed you've been enriched he's going to give you the power to keep going you see the devil came against paul he gave him a thorn in the flesh and this is just two chapters over chapter 12 how many of you's ever had a, a blessing from the devil that you pleaded with the lord to get it out of your life you knew it didn't come from the Holy Ghost. You knew it wasn't from God. 
You knew that it came in your life and it was something miserable. It was something that tormented you. And you said, God, get this out of my life. Paul had something that he, the devil was allowed to put in his life. And Paul pleaded with the Lord, he says, three times for the Lord to remove it. Look at what it says in verse 8. Paul said, concerning this thing, I pleaded with Jesus three times that he might depart it from me. Lord, get this out of my life. It, it's, it's a hindrance. It's making me weak. It's making me feel like a failure. It's something I'm ashamed of. It's something that I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. Lord, I can't do what I'm supposed to do if you don't get this out of my life. And Jesus tells Paul in the next verse, My grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And I'm not going to remove that from your life that keeps you humble. I'm not going to take from you what makes you realize how fragile you really are. I'm not going to take something from you that keeps reminding you of how inadequate you are without me enriching you. How much stupid you are and how much you don't know without me teaching you. Because I saved you, Paul. I'm going to give you the sufficient grace to overcome this. Because when you are weak, I am strong. In you. And you know how awesome grace is? Grace said, cool. I'd much rather boast in my infirmities and in my weaknesses and all my mess ups. So that I can experience the power of Jesus in my life. As long as you can do it, you will. As long as you can figure it out, you will. As long as you keep being able to. Continue in your self-sufficient way, you will. But when he knocks you down to where you can't get up, grace will get you up. When he gets you so confused that you can't figure your way out and you cry out to Jesus, grace will lead you home. When you're so inadequate and feel like, I can't do this, I can't preach, I can't do this in front of people, I can't lead children to Christ, I can't be a prayer warrior... Grace will remind you, you can't. But in Jesus Christ, all things are possible. You can do all these things by grace. Listen to what Paul says, and we're going to close. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How many of you have had the power of Jesus? The devil thinks he's got you. He's got that thorn in your side. He thinks he's got you. But Jesus just gives you something called grace. And look what he says. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. But the grace of God. How many of you was about to not make it here today? But the grace of God. Man, we almost didn't even come, preacher. But the grace of God. How many of you gave up? Quit! 
was left Christ. But Christ wouldn't leave you. And he didn't make the problem go away. He didn't take away the distress. He didn't take away the need. He did something even more miraculous. He gave you sufficient grace to empower you in the struggle for his glory. And guys, when people see people like this, they don't say, what a preacher, what a Christian, what a church. They say, what a savior. Jesus is unbelievable. He's worth following. He's worth doing what those songs said. Pray what he prays. Go where he goes. Do what he does. And he will give you grace. If it's all about you, you're going to be a miserable Christian. But if it's all about him, you'll be like, oh, Paul. But I am what I am by the grace of God. Man, I've done more than I ever imagined I could do for Christ. But not I, but the grace of God that's been with me. Friends, I'm here to tell you the only reason I'm still standing is grace. If I have hope of standing to Jesus comes, Paul, he got to stand to the end. The last thing he wrote was, I've run the race. I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. And now laid up for me is the crown of righteousness that this righteous judge named Jesus will give to me and everybody else who loves his appearing. If we make it to that, it ain't you. It's him that's going to get the glory because his grace is what does it. Can I get an amen? If you need grace this morning, the Bible says that we can come to the thr- in our moment of need to the throne of grace where we can find help in our hour of need. Grace is calling you today. Come and lay that need at the foot of Jesus. He might take it. He might not. He might remove that distress. He might not. But what he can do is he can give you grace to get you through it. Amen. The older I get, the more I'm finding out it's going to get wrong with you. Amen. You know, if you don't think you need grace, you're young. Because if you don't think God will humble you, he'll give you something. He'll let something happen. He got me wearing the thing. I look like I'm going to space every night. I got to put it on, strap up, chin up. I look like an astronaut or I think I, I look like I could dive and go look at the Titanic if I wanted to. I got air. I don't know if it's changing me and making me healthier. I feel better. I, I think I'm just trying to convince myself. But you know what? I tell you what. I guarantee you, boy, I could make a souped-up live well with a pump with this pump. But God's got me where, you know what? God will get you where you'll say, I need help. You know, I get one thing fixed. I think I'm going down. They send me to another. Now I got a knee went out. Someone told me the other day, when you get to be 60, you don't have a right and a left knee. You got a good knee and a bad knee. <laughs> How many of you knows what I'm talking about? But what you going to do? Grace. Grace is sufficient. That's physical. What about spiritual, emotional? How many of you feel like crying sometimes? How many of you have cried lately? Whoa, 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 the sky's falling. Oh, God, what are we going to do? Biden's killing us. This inflation. Oh, Lord, if we don't get somebody else in the White House, I say if we don't get Jesus back in the church house. We all in trouble. Amen. So today, listen to Jesus, trust Jesus, and he will give you grace. Amen. There's somebody here today. You're not saved. You're lost. If you die and take your last breath, you're going to wake up in hell. Today, Jesus brought you here. Grace brought you here. Grace will save you. You can leave here completely forgiven, bound for glory, if you just trust Jesus. 
I'm going to ask you to trust Jesus. If you do trust Jesus and ask him to forgive you, I'm going to ask you to do what Jesus says. To be not ashamed of him. To proclaim him. Stand up. Come up here this morning. We're not going to embarrass you. We're going to celebrate with you. We all had to humble ourselves one day and publicly say, we need Jesus. If you can't do it here with us, where are you going to do it? And man, Jesus will bless you. He'll come into your life. And then waves of grace will be be on you every day. In the middle of all the mess, you'll find blessings of grace that Jesus will give you. So I'm going to ask you, if you're not saved today, Jesus died for you on the cross. If you'll just confess I'm a sinner, I know I I, I need forgiveness. Lord, if you'll forgive me and teach me how to live for you, I'm coming. I need grace. Show me. Lord, save me, teach me, enrich me, empower me, and Lord, I'll follow you. He'll do that for you. You need to do that. And I'm going to ask you to just come up here. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to celebrate, and you go home. And then if you want to follow Jesus and get baptized, that's between you and Jesus. If you get saved, I think you'll want to do it. And if you do that, you'll say, I need a church. i got to get somewhere where the Word's being preached. i got to get with God's people and serve God. See, that's what grace does. And he'll teach you how to be a child. You don't know how to be a child of God. You never will. Grace will teach you. So today, what's grace telling you to do? Some of you are saved, saved as you'll ever get, but you ain't no more letting grace be used. And grace is being used in vain. It's not making a difference. Make it count. Take advantage of it. Do what it's telling you. Let it teach you. Let it enrich you. Let it empower you. Come to the altar and surrender to the giver of grace, Jesus. You see, we have received from him his fullness, grace upon grace. Man, I could preach about this all day. Man, I feel like preaching this morning. Amen. But I know we got to stop. So if you need to make a decision, this is your moment. This is your day. Grace is here for you. This is an altar of grace. A place where mercy can be found. Where forgiveness, where, where help is available to the person who needs it. So don't waste it. Today as we stand, let this be your day if you're lost. Today, give your life to Christ and he'll save you. And if you are saved and you need to just come, come and pray or do whatever grace is telling you to do, and it'll make a difference in your life. Amen? Would you stand with me? Father in heaven, I pray that today's grace that you have extended will not be in vain, but that we will respond to what you've initiated, what you're offering. We will receive it by faith and apply it to our life. Lord, for the lost person today, I pray he could be saved by your grace through faith and trust. And Lord, for the ones that are saved, the ones who are learning new, I pray they'll apply your teachings to their life. For those of us who's being enriched and need help, and Lord, the one who's struggling and needs your power, Lord, we look to you today. Lord, help us. But for your grace, Lord, there is no hope. So Lord, today I pray that your grace will find its way into our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen.